0: Hello, City Church. This is City Church Together for Tuesday, March 8th. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 today. Throw up the double deuces. All right, Luke chapter 22, and I'm just going to read the first few verses. We were actually, um, I actually preached on Luke 22, uh, just coincidentally, this past Sunday. Um, So I'm going to try to give you a deep cut here. But here's the tricky thing, time travelers. It is actually before this is this is actually the Thursday before Tuesday, which means this is before I preach, which means I have to predict on Thursday what I'm not going to say in order to include it here. So what may seem like a no brainer on the other end after we have passed through the time space continuum on this end of it, it seems pretty daunting. And also, I just want to say hello to my future self. Do it. You're not going to regret it. Wait a second. That's what my future self would be saying to me now. Got to figure out how to get that guy a message to get back to me. And Now we're in Luke chapter 22, which just like the space-time continuing to God, is the same backwards and forwards. So I have no idea what any of those words mean. But I can read Luke chapter 22 in English. Says this the festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed, the, and discussed with the chief priest and temple police how he could hand him over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver. So, He accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. And that is the word of the Lord from Luke 22. All right, two verses to highlight. Verse 2, chief priests and scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Okay, and the second verse I want to highlight is... So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. All right. Admittedly, what I'm about to tell you is not the meaning of the text. Okay. so just quick lesson as we're learning how to read the Bible together and practicing it together. A text does have a meaning. In other words, what is the author's intent for the text? Um, Sometimes a text has multiple meanings um, or layered meanings. For example, um, an author, uh, a human author could write down and mean one thing and the Holy Spirit later on could mean something different. This is like a lot of texts. I think of uh, Isaiah chapter seven that talks about a virgin will be born. Like clearly all in from, yeah, Isaiah chapter seven. Clearly (laughs) when Isaiah is writing this, he's not thinking, and this is about a a child named Jesus that will be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah is thinking at the time, hey, this is about this immediate context, but later it's come back and reinterpreted through the Holy Spirit um, with Matthew um, that it's this is actually about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. OK, so there are meanings to text, but there is also things that the Lord will bring to mind from other meanings of the text. And this is a part of the <laughs> uh, that are not they're not in the particular text that you're looking at. But knowing the rest of the Bible will help you come back to the text that you're looking at. And sometimes those words will remind you of other ideas. Okay, so that's what I'm doing in these first verses of Luke 22 today. And honestly, guys, it's one of the great things about me being unprepared and sitting down with the Bible with you in here is... We get to have raw moments of me reading, noticing something, and processing it. And so, I, what I'm trying to do in here is bring you as much as I can into my Bible reading time, my quiet time. That's why we go. That's why we're going through a Bible reading plan. Come, we're popping in on Tuesdays and Fridays, or whenever the Spirit moves. Um, and uh, and I'm sharing with you, and I'm trying not to do a lot of research or understanding. I'm I'm trying not to muzzle myself too much because I'm trying to do some verbal processing. Also realizing as a teacher that, that if you hear me, you may take what I say and run with it. Okay, so that is the huge asterisk and preface on all of this. And hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully you'll understand more as we go through this passage. So we're going to take these two phrases, look in verse 2, and then again in verse 6. Okay, what do you notice about these two verses? Well, the chief priests were looking for a way to put Jesus to death and then we get a reason for that they were afraid of the people and then in verse 6 talking about Judas we get that Judas was looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus well why because it was fun because he really likes betraying people is that is that why he was doing it no why did the why did the pharisees want why were the pharisees actively looking for an opportunity to kill Jesus why was it because it should be fun to kill this guy with a beard. No, it was because they were afraid of the people. In Judas's situation, it was because, um, well, they give him 30 pieces of silver. So he sells Jesus out for money. And we know that Judas was also stealing from the treasury that Jesus had. So we know Judas has a thing with money. Okay, whether he is greedy or whether is a kleptomaniac, you know, we don't know, but he definitely chases the silver. Okay. Now, let's think about that phrase. Looking for a way to kill Jesus, or looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Especially in verse six, what comes to mind when I think about my own life? I think do I ever look for opportunities to betray Jesus well actively no it's like you know I don't wake up in the morning and say aha today I will betray Jesus in my most evil voice As you switch the letters of evil around it spells veil or also live in life okay I don't do that on a day-to-day basis however in temptation I do think I look for opportunity to sin sometimes. Like when, when desire overtakes you, when there's something you want to have, it is called justification. How can I justify my actions? How can I justify my actions? They are always driven by something behind the scene. So verses that are coming to mind are like James, uh, in James chapters, um, it's somewhere between James chapter 1 and 5. I think it's in chapter 1 actually, um, where there's only five chapters in James, By the way. Um, but somewhere in the first chapter of James it talks sort of about the anatomy of sin and how desire gives birth, you know, like it your desires come up within you and then you sin. That's what I picture here. Looking it's so read James chapter one and you'll find this. And that's what comes up to me when I'm talking about looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus or looking for a reason to kill him. It's like this this sort of justification that comes from an inner desire that I want to do something that is fed often by my fears. Afraid of the people. Notice here, the chief priests are afraid of the people. And then look down in verse 6. Look at Judas too. He looks for an opportunity to betray them when the crowd is not present. When he can get off alone because he's afraid of the crowd too. He doesn't want to be seen a particular way. And this, all oh, this is... This all just brings up for me all of the motives and all of the ways I go about my desires. First of all, I have motives to please people. I want to be seen as righteous, even though I'm looking for an opportunity to betray. So in private, I'm trying to figure out how to betray Jesus to get my own desires. But in public, I'm putting forth a different face. I mean, this is this is obviously, you know, I'm a dynamic person, so this is not me statically. I'm not always doing this. You say, Trevor, how can we trust a word you say? It's like, Exactly, like, like all of us, like sin is such this complicated thing where none of us really want to kill Jesus, none of us really want to betray Jesus, and yet we can look for opportunities to do so as we're driven by what people think, as we're driven by our desire for money like Judas and so all of these things, fear and greed, they sort of stack up on top of each other. And our desires are often the things that help us get away from our fears. Our desires often come from like I need an escape from these fears. So there is this big old ball of sin that has just several different strings that you can pull and some of it is fear of man, and some of it is greed, and some of and it's it's really hard to say. But it all results, it all results in us looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Sometimes actively. When can I sin? How can I sin? When can I wait till everyone's away? When can I wait till no one can see me, so I won't be condemned or or lose face? So what are we to do with that? Well, the beautiful thing, if you think back to um, this past Sunday's sermon. That when I preach from Luke 22, is this is worked out in the Lord's Supper. Where Jesus says, look not backwards to the Passover, but in this case, look forward to my death and resurrection and look forward to the coming kingdom I'm bringing. Because as we look to the coming kingdom of God and Jesus's purchase of our salvation on a cross and the resurrection. And as we again, as we look to the kingdom that he is bringing, he changes our desires. He reroutes our fears or ends our fears. He brings, like we talked about on Friday in the, in the passage from Friday from 2 Corinthians 3, we now have boldness, fearlessness, hope. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm no longer chained to my desires. So here's what I'd leave you with in application. When and how do you look for an opportunity to betray Jesus? Away from the crowds in the quiet, looking for a way to kill him because of your fear, because of your greed, because of whatever desire you have that's been born in you. When is that? And my admonition to you is to repent and know that the kingdom of God is coming, that it has been purchased for you, it has been bought. There is nothing to fear anymore. Death cannot stop you. Sin does not own you. You are free. You're free. And now you can walk with boldness you can walk in the light of Christ instead of the darkness of your own sin. And you can have a life of joy where you, where you understand what the meeting of desires is really about, knowing God and being known by him. Will you repent today and trust Jesus with all of those fears, with all of that greed? I would encourage you to tell somebody. Tell somebody in your community group. Tell a friend. Tell a pastor. Tell someone what you're struggling with. Bring light to that. Bring light to it so that the Lord can get it out of your life. And you, now, now you look for Jesus instead of look for an opportunity to betray him. Let's be silent now and respond. Heavenly Father, thank you that when we look to betray you, you respond by inviting us to a meal with you where you wash our feet, you feed us and fill us up, and you tell us about your own death and resurrection. Keep reminding us of it, God. So that we're not driven by greed or by fear of the crowd. Rather, we are driven by the unstoppable hope that we have inherited eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. City Church, go multiply that gospel.